Section 15 of The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 3. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Great Events by Famous Historians, Volume 3. Edited by Charles F. Horn, Rossiter Johnson, and John Rood. The Great Jewish Revolt siege and destruction of jerusalem a d seventy by josephus part one from a d sixty six events of great moment occurred in palestine the jews were in the throes of revolt against the roman government at the same time the chief factions of the revolutionary party were constantly fighting each other one of these factions was led by the famous john of giscala another by Simon Bargioras, and a third by Eleazar. These factions of a party, which, since the reduction of Judea to a Roman province soon after the death of Herod, had resisted the oppression of the procurators, were now stirred to revolt by the exactions of the procurator Gessius Florus. The revolutionary party, called the Zealots, gained power and there were many outbreaks in Jerusalem. The counsel of the more prudent spirits was disregarded. At last, Roman blood was shed. The nobility and priesthood played into the hands of the zealots by applying to Florus to put down the revolt. Florus marched against Jerusalem and was badly beaten by the zealots. Open war henceforth existed. Josephus, a Jew of the lineage of Aaron, trained according to the best discipline of his race, and who had also been well received at Rome, was placed by his countrymen in command of the province of Galilee. Afterward, as a historian, he described the events of the war. Vespasian, who was then Rome's greatest general, soon came at the head of 60,000 Roman soldiers. He attacked Galilee. Josephus, with such followers as he could gather, took position on an almost inaccessible hill in Jotapata, which the Romans for five days stormed in vain, then besieged its brave defenders, afterward repeatedly assaulted, and finally, during the night following the forty-seventh day of the siege, Titus, serving under his father Vespasian, gained possession of the place. Josephus, with forty of the principal citizens, hid in a cave, but their refuge was discovered through treachery. Vespasian was anxious to take Josephus alive. He sent the tribune Nicanor, who had been his friend, to the Jewish leader to induce him with fair promises to surrender. Josephus was about to give himself up, but was prevented by his companions. We will care for the honor of our country, they said. At the same time, they offered a sword and a hand that shall use it against thee. Josephus then proposed that they should all die together, but by the hands of one another instead of suicide. Lots were cast. He who drew the first offered his neck to him who stood next and so forward. Finally, through marvelous fortune, Josephus and one other alone were left, and here the slaughter ended. The two survivors surrendered to the Romans. 
loud cries for the death of josephus arose but he was spared by the intercession of titus the fall of jotapata led to the subjugation of galilee when captured josephus made to vespasian the prophecy thou shalt be emperor thou and thy son after thee a prediction soon to be fulfilled for in a d sixty nine vespasian was proclaimed emperor and the next year went to rome leaving titus to carry on the war and subdue jerusalem vespasian himself it is recorded released josephus cutting off his chains thus relieving him from all stain of dishonor the capture of jerusalem by titus in this campaign says hosmer is one of the most memorable events in the history of mankind it caused the expulsion of an entire race from its home the roman valor skill and persistence were never more conspicuously displayed no more desperate resistance was ever opposed to the eagle emblemed mistress of the ancient world there is no event of ancient history the details of which are more minutely known the circumstances in all their appalling features are given to us by the eyewitness josephus so that we know them as vividly as we do the events of the career of grant the legions had orders to encamp at the distance of six furlongs from jerusalem at the mount called the mount of olives which lies over against the city on the east side and is parted from it by a deep valley interposed between them which is named cedron now when hitherto the several parties in the city had been dashing one against another perpetually this foreign war now suddenly come upon them after a violent manner put the first stop to their contentions one against another and as the seditious now saw with astonishment the romans pitching three several camps they began to think of an awkward sort of concord and said one to another what do we hear and what do we mean when we suffer three fortified walls to be built to coop us in that we shall not be able to breathe freely while the enemy is securely building a kind of city in opposition to us and while we sit still within our own walls and become spectators only of what they are doing with our hands idle and our armor laid by as if they were about somewhat that was for our good and advantage we are it seems so did they cry out only courageous against ourselves while the romans are likely to gain the city without bloodshed by our sedition thus did they encourage one another when they were gotten together and took their armor immediately and ran out upon the tenth legion and fell upon the romans with great eagerness and with a prodigious shout as they were fortifying their camp these romans were caught in different parties and this in order to perform their several works and on that account had in great measure laid aside their arms for they thought the jews would not have ventured to make a sally upon them and had they been disposed so to do they supposed their sedition would have distracted them so they were put into disorder unexpectedly when some of them left their works they were about and immediately marched off while many ran to their arms but were smitten and slain before they could turn back upon the enemy the jews became still more and more in number 
as encouraged by the good success of those that first made the attack and while they had such good fortune they seemed both to themselves and to the enemy to be many more than they really were the disorderly way of their fighting at first put the romans also to a stand who had been constantly used to fight skillfully in good order and with keeping their ranks and obeying the orders that were given them for which reason the romans were caught unexpectedly and were obliged to give way to the assaults that were made upon them now when these romans were overtaken and turned back upon the jews they put a stop to their career yet when they did not take care enough of themselves through the vehemency of their pursuit they were wounded by them but as still more and more jews sallied out of the city the romans were at length brought into confusion and put to flight and ran away from their camp nay things looked as though the entire legion would have been in danger unless titus had been informed of the case they were in and had sent them succors immediately so he reproached them for their cowardice and brought those back that were running away and fell himself upon the jews on their flank with those select troops that were with him and slew a considerable number and wounded more of them and put them all to flight and made them run away hastily down the valley now as these jews suffered greatly in the declivity of the valley so when they were gotten over it they turned about and stood over against the romans having the valley between them and there fought with them thus did they continue the fight till noon but when it was already a little after noon titus set those that came to the assistance of the romans with him and those that belonged to the cohorts to prevent the jews from making any more sallies and then sent the rest of the legion to the upper part of the mountain to fortify their camp this march of the romans seemed to the jews to be a flight and as the watchman who was placed upon the wall gave a signal by shaking his garment there came out a fresh multitude of jews and that with such mighty violence that one might compare it to the running of the most terrible wild beasts to say the truth none of those that opposed them could sustain the fury with which they made their attacks but as if they had been cast out of an engine they break the enemy's ranks to pieces who were put to flight and ran away to the mountain none but titus himself and a few others with him being left in the midst of the acclivity now these others who were his friends despised the danger they were in and were ashamed to leave their general earnestly exhorting him to give way to these jews that are fond of dying and not to run into such dangers before those that ought to stay before him to consider what his fortune was and not by supplying the place of a common soldier to venture to turn back upon the enemy so suddenly and this because he was general in the war and lord of the habitable earth on whose preservation the public affairs do all depend these persuasions titus seemed not so much as to hear but opposed those that ran upon him and smote them on the face and when he had forced them to go back he slew them he also fell upon great numbers as they marched down the hill and thrust them forward while those men were so amazed at his courage and his strength 
that they could not fly directly to the city but declined from him on both sides and pressed after those that fled up the hill yet did he still fall upon their flank and put a stop to their fury in the meantime a disorder and a terror fell again upon those that were fortifying their camp at the top of the hill upon their seeing those beneath them running away insomuch that the whole legion was dispersed while they thought that the sallies of the jews upon them were plainly insupportable and that titus was himself put to flight because they took it for granted that if he had stayed the rest would never have fled for it thus were they encompassed on every side by a kind of panic fear and some dispersed themselves one way and some another till certain of them saw their general in the very midst of an action and being under great concern for him they loudly proclaimed the danger he was in to the entire legion and now shame made them turn back and they reproached one another that they did worse than run away by deserting caesar so they used their utmost force against the jews and declining from the straight declivity they drove them on heaps into the bottom of the valley then did the jews turn about and fight them but as they were themselves retiring and now because the romans had the advantage of the ground and were above the jews they drove them all into the valley as now the war abroad ceased for a while the sedition within was revived and on the feast of unleavened bread which was now come it being the fourteenth day of the month xanthicus nisan when it is believed the jews were first freed from the egyptians eleazar and his party opened the gates of this inmost court of the temple and admitted such of the people as were desirous to worship god into it but john made use of this festival as a cloak for his treacherous designs and armed the most inconsiderable of his own party the greater part of whom were not purified with weapons concealed under their garments and sent them with great zeal into the temple in order to seize upon it which armed men when they were gotten in threw their garments away and presently appeared in their armor upon which there was a very great disorder and disturbance about the holy house while the people who had no concern in the sedition supposed that this assault was made against all without distinction as the zealots thought it was made against themselves only so these left off guarding the gates any longer and leaped down from their battlements before they came to an engagement and fled away into the subterranean caverns of the temple while the people that stood trembling at the altar and about the holy house were rolled on heaps together and trampled upon and were beaten both with wooden and with iron weapons without mercy such also as had differences with others slew many persons that were quiet out of their own private enmity and hatred as if they were opposite to the seditious and all those that had formerly offended any of these plotters were now known and were now led away to the slaughter and when they had done abundance of horrid mischief to the guiltless they granted a truce to the guilty and let those go off that came out of the caverns these followers of john also did now seize upon this inner temple 
and upon all the warlike engines therein, and then ventured to oppose Simon. And thus that sedition, which had been divided into three factions, was now reduced to two. But Titus, intending to pitch his camp nearer to the city than Scopus, placed as many of his choice horsemen and footmen as he thought sufficient opposite to the Jews to prevent their sallying out upon them, while he gave orders for the whole army to level the distance as far as the wall of the city. So they threw down all the hedges and walls which the inhabitants had made about their gardens and groves of trees, and cut down all the fruit trees that lay between them and the wall of the city, and filled up all the hollow places and the chasms, and demolished the rocky precipices with iron instruments, and thereby made all the place level from Scopus to Herod's monuments, which adjoined to the pool called the Serpent's Pool. Now, at this very time, the Jews contrived the following stratagem against the Romans. The bolder sort of the seditious went out at the towers, called the women's towers, as if they had been ejected out of the city by those who were for peace, and rambled about as if they were afraid of being assaulted by the Romans, and were in fear of one another, while those that stood upon the wall, and seemed to be of the people's side, cried out aloud for peace, and entreated they might have security for their lives given them, and called for the Romans, promising to open the gates to them. And as they cried out after that manner, they threw stones at their own people, as though they would drive them away from the gates. These also pretended that they were excluded by force, and that they petitioned those that were within to let them in. And rushing upon the Romans perpetually with violence, they then came back, and seemed to be in great disorder. Now the Roman soldiers thought this cunning stratagem of theirs was to be believed real, and thinking they had the one party under their power, and could punish them as they pleased, and hoping that the other party would open their gates to them, set to the execution of their designs accordingly. But for Titus himself, he had this surprising conduct of the Jews in suspicion, for whereas he had invited them to come to terms of accommodation by Josephus but one day before, he could then receive no civil answer from them, so he ordered the soldiers to stay where they were. However, some of them that were set in the front of the works prevented him, and catching up their arms, ran to the gates, whereupon those that seemed to have been ejected at the first retired but as soon as the soldiers were gotten between the towers on each side of the gate the jews ran out and encompassed them round and fell upon them behind while that multitude which stood upon the wall threw a heap of stones and darts of all kinds at them insomuch that they slew a considerable number and wounded many more for it was not easy for the romans to escape by reason those behind them pressed them forward besides which the shame they were under for being mistaken and the fear they were in of their commanders engaged them to persevere in their mistake wherefore they fought with their spears a great while and received many blows from the jews though indeed they gave them as many blows again and at last repelled those that had encompassed them about while the jews pursued them as they retired and followed them and threw darts at them as far as the monuments of Queen Helena. 
now the warlike men that were in the city and the multitude of the seditious that were with simon were ten thousand besides the idumeans those ten thousand had fifty commanders over whom this simon was supreme the idumeans that paid him homage were five thousand and had eight commanders among whom those of greatest fame were jacob the son of sosas and simon the son of cathlas john who had seized upon the temple had six thousand armed men under twenty commanders the zealots also that had come over to him and left off their opposition were two thousand four hundred and had the same commander that they had formerly eleazar together with simon the son of Aranus. now while these factions fought one against another the people were their prey on both sides and that part of the people who would not join with them in their wicked practices were plundered by both factions simon held the upper city and the great wall as far as cedron and as much of the old wall as bent from siloam to the east and which went down to the palace of monobazus who was king of the adiabeni beyond euphrates he also held that fountain and the acra which was no other than the lower city he also held all that reached to the palace of queen helena the mother of monobazus but john held the temple and the parts thereto adjoining for a great way as also ophla and the valley called the valley of cedron and when the parts that were interposed between their possessions were burned by them they left a space wherein they might fight with each other for this internal sedition did not cease even when the romans were encamped near their very walls but although they had grown wiser at the first onset the romans made upon them this lasted but a while for they returned to their former madness and separated one from another and fought it out and did everything that the besiegers could desire them to do for they never suffered anything that was worse from the romans than they made each other suffer nor was there any misery endured by the city after these men's actions that could be esteemed new but it was most of all unhappy before it was overthrown while those that took it did it a greater kindness for i venture to affirm that the sedition destroyed the city and the romans destroyed the sedition which it was a much harder thing to do than to destroy the walls so that we may justly ascribe our misfortunes to our own people and the just vengeance taken on them to the romans as to which matter let every one determine by the actions on both sides now when affairs within the city were in this posture titus went round the city on the outside with some chosen horsemen and looked about for a proper place where he might make an impression upon the walls but as he was in doubt where he could possibly make an attack on any side for the place was no way accessible where the valleys were and on the other side the first wall appeared too strong to be shaken by the engines he thereupon thought it best to make his assault upon the monument of john the high priest for there it was that the first fortification was lower and the second was not joined to it the builders neglecting to build strong where the new city was not much inhabited here also was an easy passage to the third wall through which he thought to take the upper city and through the tower of antonia the temple itself 
but at this time as he was going round about the city one of his friends whose name was nicanor was wounded with a dart on his left shoulder as he approached together with josephus too near the wall and attempted to discourse to those that were upon the wall about terms of peace for he was a person known by them on this account it was that caesar as soon as he knew their vehemence that they would not bear even such as approach them to persuade them what tended to their own preservation was provoked to press on the siege he also at the same time gave his soldiers leave to set the suburbs on fire and ordered that they should bring timber together and raise banks against the city and when he had parted his army into three parts in order to set about those works he placed those that shot darts and the archers in the midst of the banks that were then raising before whom he placed those engines that threw javelins and darts and stones that he might prevent the enemy from sallying out upon their works and might hinder those that were upon the wall from being able to obstruct them so the trees were now cut down immediately and the suburbs left naked but now while the timber was being carried to raise the banks and the whole army was earnestly engaged in their works the jews were not however quiet and it happened that the people of jerusalem who had been hitherto plundered and murdered were now of good courage and supposed they should have a breathing time while the others were very busy in opposing their enemies without the city and that they should now be avenged on those that had been the authors of their miseries in case the romans did but get the victory however john stayed behind out of his fear of simon even while his own men were earnest in making a sally upon their enemies without yet did not simon lie still for he lay near the place of the siege he brought his engines of war and disposed of them at due distances upon the wall both those which they took from cestius formerly and those which they got when they seized the garrison that lay in the tower antonia but though they had these engines in their possession they had so little skill in using them that they were in great measure useless to them but a few there were who had been taught by deserters how to use them which they did use though after an awkward manner so they cast stones and arrows at those that were making the banks they also ran out upon them by companies and fought with them now those that were at work covered themselves with hurdles spread over their banks and their engines were opposed to them when they made their excursions the engines that all the legions had ready prepared for them were admirably contrived but still more extraordinary ones belonged to the tenth legion those that threw darts and those that threw stones were more forcible and larger than the rest by which they not only repelled the excursions of the jews but drove those away that were upon the walls also now the stones that were cast were of the weight of a talent and were carried two furlongs and farther the blow they gave was no way to be sustained not only by those that stood first in the way but by those that were beyond them for a great space as for the jews they at first watched the coming of the stone for it was of a white color and could therefore not only be perceived by the great noise it made but could be seen also before it came by its brightness 
accordingly the watchmen that sat upon the towers gave them notice when the engine was let go and the stone came from it and cried out aloud in their own country language the sun cometh so those that were in its way stood off and threw themselves down upon the ground by which means and by their thus guarding themselves the stone fell down and did them no harm but the romans contrived how to prevent that by blacking the stone who then could aim at them with success when the stone was not discerned beforehand as it had been till then and so they destroyed many of them at one blow yet did not the jews under all this distress permit the romans to raise their banks in quiet but they shrewdly and boldly exerted themselves and repelled them both by night and by day end of section 15 recording by linda johnson